Republicans are saying the Democrats only want the FBI to investigate Brett Kavanaugh because they want to delay his confirmation until after the midterms. Democrats say that claim should be investigated by the FBI until after the midterms. President Trump ordered the FBI to investigate the sexual malfeasance claims against Kavanaugh after Senator Jeff Flake caved to the Democrats' demands because two leftist activist women shrieked at him in an elevator. Flake says this was his, quote, I'm not Spartacus moment, referring to the famous scene in the movie Spartacus when shrill women shrieked at the rebel gladiators until they all turned Spartacus over to the authorities, shouting, he's the one over there who looks like Kirk Douglas. When it was explained to Flake that that's not actually what happened in the movie, Flake responded, quote, oh, then I guess I'm just a cowardly eunuch, unquote. The FBI has been assigned the task of finding out what happened 35 or 36 years ago in a place no one can identify, at a party no one remembers, in a room no one was in. In an op-ed in the New York Times, a former newspaper, dishonest ex-FBI chief James Comey said the FBI is well able to perform that task. Comey wrote, quote, if I can make up all that Russian collusion crap, surely the agents now in place can come up with some nonsense, unquote. Democrats are insisting that the feds can only get to the truth if they interview every screechy nudnik connected to left-wing advocacy groups willing to make up stories about a man they never met. Only after all these stories have been discounted, the Democrats say, can more stories that need to be investigated be made up. Democrats who once said Republicans were destroying the people's trust in our institutions by criticizing the FBI are now criticizing the FBI for not being thorough enough, and they say it should be investigated by the FBI. When told that made no sense, Democrats responded, whatever, as long as it takes until after the midterms. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is zipity-zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. All right, welcome. And if you look at your calendar, you will see it is the day before mailbag day. And actually, now they actually put out the calendar saying Monday, day before mailbag day, mailbag day. You know how to do it. You go on the dailywire.com. It's not, I keep saying the dailywire.com. It's just dailywire.com. Press the podcast thing up at the top. Go to the Andrew Claven podcast. Press the mailbag. Put your questions in there. Ask me anything you want. Personal stuff, political stuff, religious stuff. All my answers, it doesn't matter because all my answers, all my answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life. Sometimes for the better, a lot of times. <laughs> uh, but come on over, you got to be a subscriber. So subscribe for a lousy 10 bucks a month or 100 bucks, you get the whole year and the leftist tears tumbler. And the fact that you can ask me questions, I'll solve all your problems. Also, while you're here, if you like this show and what we're doing, please subscribe to The Andrew Clavin Show on iTunes. It really helps us out. While you're there, leave us a five-star rating. That also helps us out, and it makes me happy, and I dance around, and it looks ridiculous, and it's worth it doing it just for that. Helix Sleep is the name of our sponsor, uh, but I just call it Helix because I never sleep, so there's no point in my calling it Helix Sleep, but the point is they tailor their products, mattresses, pillows, they tailor them for you so that when you sleep, you are exceptionally comfortable, or in my case, when I lie awake, I am exceptionally comfortable thinking about all the things that I'm going to say the next day when I don't wake up because I wasn't asleep. The thing is, there's nobody else like you, so why buy a generic mattress built for anybody? Helix Sleep built a sleep quiz. It takes two minutes to complete. They use the answers to match your body 
body type preference to the perfect mattress. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Clavin, take the two-minute sleep quiz, and they will match you to a mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. For couples, Helix can even split the mattress down the middle, providing individual support needs for each side. Right now, Helix is offering up to $125 off all mattress orders. Get up to $125 off at helixsleep.com slash Clavin. That's helixsleep.com slash Clavin for $125 off your mattress order. Helixsleep.com slash Clavin. I want you to be incredibly comfortable as you lie awake asking the big questions like, how do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. Now you don't have to ask. You can move on to what's the meaning of life. So right now, this is just an instinct I have, but it really does feel to me like the case against Brett Kavanaugh is cratering. And as it craters, the reason I say that I feel it's cratering is I notice the left and the media, but I repeat myself because they're both the same, they're shifting the field of play, all right? They're shifting it away from sexual malfeasance. He did this to a woman. He did that to a woman. And we know, we know this because the New York Times, a former newspaper, it used to be a newspaper, but now what it is, it is the talking point of the left. It is the place where the left goes to find out what the plan is. It's like a little signal. You know, they send up smoke signals from the New York Times and the left reads the New York Times and then they know what the new strategy is. So today they announce that there's a shift in, in strategy for the left Story by Cheryl Gay Stolberg, just talking to the left, what we're doing now. A new front in the Kavanaugh Wars, temperament and honesty. Democratic efforts to highlight sexual assault charges that are more than 30 years old have been dismissed by supporters of Judge Brett M. Kavanaugh as the dredgings of ancient history. But the judge's response to those accusations has raised new issues that go to the court of who President Trump's Supreme Court nominee is right now, his truthfulness, his partisanship, and his temperament. So pay attention to what they said. All lies, right? Some people have said this is ancient history, but a lot of people are just saying it's not true. And that, of course, is what they're worried about. They've now got what they wanted. They demanded an FBI investigation. They got it. And now I have this feeling they're getting that they have a lot of sources at the times on the FBI. The FBI has been leaking them forever. I'm sure they're getting that they cannot do this. So we're shifting it to his temperament. Now, what does that mean? It means A, it means they got nothing. So they're going to talk about his anger. And, and this is directed mostly to women because women get very frightened by male anger. I don't blame them. Men are bigger and they can be violent. And when men get angry, women have this natural cringe reaction. And when a lot of women saw Brett Kavanaugh protesting his innocence in this angry voice, they had that reaction. They got, they oh, no, 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 I, that I don't like at all. But let me talk about this for just a minute. A judge who isn't angry at the lynch mob that is coming after this man does not deserve to be a judge. A judge who isn't angry at the sight of a lynch mob, like what the left has become in this story, does not deserve to be a judge. A lawyer who isn't furious at the sight of moral panic, overriding due process of law, should lose his license to practice law. A good man who loves justice and is not appalled beyond words at what the Democrats, the press, and the left-wing activists are doing right now, today, would not be a good man and would not be a man who loves justice. You want to know about Judge Kavanaugh's qualities, his, his qualification to be a judge? You want to know about his temperament? They've got 300 plus decisions that he wrote that they can sit there and read instead of doing what they're doing, instead of screaming at people in, in elevators, instead of tarring somebody's reputation, sort of tearing people apart with unsupported, uncorroborated accusations. They could read his decisions and decide whether he has the temperament to do this. If Kavanaugh is a judge, 
If he is a lawyer, if he's a man of justice, he should be enraged beyond all measure. A lot of times you will hear me say that anger is the devil's cocaine. And the reason I say that is because while some anger is righteous, anger is not the same thing as righteousness. But this is righteous anger. He should be angry for himself. He should be angry for his family. But more than anything else, he should be angry for the left, to the, at the left, for stirring up the mob against due process and the rule of law. So let's look at the mob today. Let's look at what they're, they're up to, the screaming, the moral panic. The New York Times, their big, big breaking story, Kavanaugh was involved in a bar altercation at Yale. Okay, here's the story. As an undergraduate student at Yale, Brett Kavanaugh was involved in an altercation at a local bar during which he was accused of throwing ice on another patron according to a police report. I, you call Batman, right? Because isn't that a Dr. I, what, the, what was that guy named? Arnold Schwarzenegger played him. Mr. Freeze. Thank you very much, Mr. Freeze. So obviously, Brett Kavanaugh, I think they've revealed the New York Times has got him. Brett Kavanaugh is Mr. Freeze. It was just the, it was just Arnold Schwarzenegger pretending to be Brett Kavanaugh. The incident, which occurred in September 1985 during Mr. Kavanaugh's junior year, resulted in Mr. Kavanaugh and four other men being questioned by the New Haven Police Department. By the way, My son went to Yale. I'm sure these kind of questioning happens a lot. Essentially, what they're saying is they're accusing Brett Kavanaugh of drinking in college, which is like accusing him of having temper tantrums when he was two years old. It really is if the New York Times ran a front page story. Police reports show that Brett Kavanaugh, as a two year old, was throwing blocks and crying loudly. And mothers rushed to the scene of his angry rants. Is this the man? Is this the kind of temperament you want? In a, it's like he was never supposed to be young. He was never supposed to do things he, you know, he shouldn't do. Would you want to stand before that judge? I mean, is that amazing? Would you want to stand before a judge who had never done anything wrong, who couldn't understand what people were and what, you know, how they acted when they were young and had no compassion? Unbelievable, unbelievable story. It is just the mob. It's just about the fact that the real charges, the charges that matter, are falling apart. MSNBC, this is just an amazing piece of video I've got to play for you. They had Julie Swetnick on, right? She's the woman who said that there were these gang rape parties, like 10 of them, and I went to 10 of them. (laughs) It's like, like, you know, stop. You know, it's like, Julie, stop going to the gang rape parties. You know, when you get the invitation that says, please come to my gang rape party, no, don't go. Don't go to the gang rape party. Stay home, watch TV, you know, Netflix and chill. You know, (laughs) it's like, do not go to the gang. But Kate Snow, an NBC reporter, and I, I, I really feel for her because as a journalist, she's interviewing this woman and she can tell this woman's story is unraveling. So she starts to ask her about discrepancies. You know, did she really mean in her statement that she made to the committee, did she mean these things? So she starts off by asking her, uh, Swetnick said that she saw Kavanaugh spike the punch so he could get women drunk to prepare them for the satanic uh, date rape. I think there's a date rape and then human sacrifice. Is that what it was? Yeah. It's, you know, you know, the usual thing that happens at these parts. I mean, are we going to hold him accountable? For Listen to the you can watch on screen as her story falls apart. Did you see Brett Kavanaugh, you know, spiking the punch, putting green well, I, s- I saw I saw him given red solo cups, a few girls during that time frame. And there was green punch at those parties. And I would not take one of those glasses from Mark Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh, excuse me. I saw him around the punch, I won't say bowls or the punch containers. I don't know what he did, but I saw him buy them. Yes. 
In her declaration, Swetnick also wrote, I also witnessed efforts by Mark Judge, Brett Kavanaugh, and others to cause girls to become inebriated and disoriented so they could then be gang-raped in a side room or bedroom by a train of numerous boys. I have a firm recollection of seeing boys lined up outside rooms at many of these parties, waiting for their turn with a girl inside the room. These boys included Mark Judge and Brett Kavanaugh. What did you see? Because we're innocent. Well, until what happened to me happened to me, I didn't put two and two together. But I would see boys standing outside of rooms, congregated together, sort of like a gauntlet. And I didn't know what was occurring. Uh, But I would see them laughing, a lot of laughing. So they were drinking punch and laughing. This is, you know, it's like, it's sort of like gang rape. It's sort of like, you know, gang rape or drinking punch and laughing. It's really, you know, those two things, once you see one, you can just deduce the other. I mean, it was it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. And, and you know, Kate Snow started off the report by saying she contradicted herself. She has no corroborate. She says, Kate Snow says, we called all these people. Nobody will corroborate her stories. Why'd you have her on? Why, why is she news? I mean, anybody can say anything about anyone. And now there's a report, uh, I think, in the AP that's that said uh, that starts to talk about the fact that she's been involved in at least six legal cases over the past 25 years, some of which involved uh, what evidence strongly suggests are multiple false claims. OK, she had a legal dispute highlighted by the AP in, in 1994, a personal injury lawsuit. Swetnick filed against the Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority, which contains strong evidence that she attempted to swindle the department. AP reports that Swetnick sued the Transit Authority for four hundred and twenty thousand dollars in earnings. She said she allegedly lost after hurting her nose in a fall. I mean, you know, her boyfriend, too, says she's kind of a kook. David French over at NRO, a lawyer, uh, he says all of these charges are falling apart. That is why we're hearing about temperament. That is why we're hearing about drinking, which, by the way, is not against the law. That is why we're hearing all this stuff. It's meant to scare women. It is essentially meant to scare women. There is a big uh, gender gap in the voting right now. Right now, the polls are kind of shifting around, very hard to read. And so this is having an effect on the midterm, but we don't know what it is yet. So, so, uh, David French at NRO starts to debunk a lot of the other charges. He says Deborah Ramirez's allegation. She's the one who said Kavanaugh exposed himself to her at a party at Yale. That's where it was. It's uncorroborated, difficult to believe. She was drinking heavily at the time. She confesses that her memory contains gaps. She even told other classmates that she wasn't certain it was Kavanaugh. No one else could even confirm she was at the party where the incident allegedly occurred. Let me pause right there for just a minute. I'll get back to this. But first, I have to talk about Blue Apron. Blue Apron delivers fresh ingredients to your house and with step-by-step recipes so that within 20 minutes, you can prepare yourself a meal that looks like it came from a restaurant. I have eaten these meals. They are they are actually restaurant meals that you cook in your home. And when I say you, what I mean is my wife, while I sit and watch her and say, wow, you're doing such a great job, honey, because that's, you know, <laughs> that's the way I roll. These are quick and easy recipe options with insanely delicious flavors. Let me just read you uh, some of this month's because they change all the time and they react to what you want. You know, they like what they want to hear what you want. Tomato and basil pesto pizza. Now, that's just not something you make at home every day. Stir fried sweet chili chicken, uh, seared beef dumplings and jasmine rice, seared steaks and homemade steak sauce. And it's just, it looks and tastes like restaurant food. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals 
for free. That is very inexpensive free at blueapron.com slash Andrew. That's blueapron.com slash Andrew to get your first three meals for free. Blue Apron, it is a better way to cook. All right, so that is uh, Kavanaugh, uh, that, that is, I'm sorry, the uh, Swetnick charges and the Ramirez charges. And then uh, David French goes on to say Ford has, about Christine Blasey, four, the main charge, this is the charge that started it all. Ford has no corroborating witnesses. And even the French, she says, was at the party in question, has denied being there or knowing Kavanaugh at all. She doesn't know who invited her to the party, where it took place, how she got there, how she got home after her, by her account. Uh, but the problems go beyond gaps in memory. She's offered substantially different accounts of when it occurred. It goes on and on. So listen to what they do. Listen to how low, in the absence of evidence, listen to how low the left is sinking. I mean, it is, you know, I always say this, the bad ideas degrade you. Bad ideas. One of the ways you can tell that your ideas are bad is when you start behaving badly. The ACLU, which used to be the defender of due process, used to defend due process, whether you were a Nazi or a communist or whatever, they put out this ad to convince people to turn away from Kavanaugh. Listen to the logic of this. It is absolutely amazing. We've seen this before. (coughs) Denials from powerful men. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I've never seen anything like this. I categorically and unequivocally deny the allegation against me by Dr. Ford. America is watching. And as we choose a lifetime seat on our highest court, integrity matters, and we cannot have any doubt. That is shocking. I mean, it is. I'm not easily shocked, but that's shocking. Let me let me put this for you. Somebody says you raped me when you didn't. And you say, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And they say, well, we've seen that before. Here's Bill Cosby denying that he did it. Here's Bill Clinton denying that he did it. And here's you denying that you did it. What's the difference? You didn't do it. You didn't do it. This is the kind of thing they're sinking to. They put out a cartoon of, uh, you know, Kavanaugh said his little girl was praying for Blasey Ford. They put out a cartoon in the Illinois Times. Dear God, it's a little girl praying. Dear God, forgive my angry, lying, alcoholic father for sexually assaulting Dr. Ford. They're attacking the guy's kids, right? This is what they have become. This is what the left has become. No wonder he's angry. He should be angry. He would not be a man of justice. He would not be a man of the law if he were not angry at what is being done. And remember, remember what they're fighting for. They're not fighting for a fair reading of the Constitution by liberal judges. They're reading to rewrite, fighting to rewrite the Constitution and fighting against a man who will interpret the Constitution as it was written according to the law. So I'm going to get back to this story again and talk a little bit more about Kavanaugh and Donald Trump, because there's something about this that people are not noticing at all. But I want to take a bit of a break. This is a shorter portion of the show. And I just want to talk about uh, the left and language, because every other Tuesday, I have a video coming out called The Lefties Dictionary. And I've been going through the letters. Uh, a is for Antifa. B is for budget cuts. D was for diversity. And e, uh, I was for intersectionalism. So we're coming up on uh, J, I think it is. Is it not? Um, Jay is next week. Oh, I'm sorry. So I is for intersectionality. My mistake. So the reason I do this is because the left is expert at using language. They're expert at using language to make ordinary things seem evil, right? So they will say something like racial profiling. 
And you think, oh, racial, that's bad. Racial profiling is bad. You know, it must be, it's mess. It's got racial, it's got profiling, police are doing it, and, they, you know, there's all this trouble with the police. But think about this for a minute. You put a cop out on the street, or even more, you put a TSA agent and on a line, he has got 15 to 30 seconds to judge whether you are going to blow up a plane. He's got to use every piece of information he's got. One of them may be that you're carrying the Koran because a lot of terrorists are bad guys. A lot of terrorists are, are Islamic. He's not being bigoted. He's not being bigoted. The problem is that the decent, innocent Islamic guy is being tarred by the bad guy. By the bad guy. But the TSA agent has to make his decision in a moment. So racial profiling is a term they use to make that sound like it's evil when it isn't. So I'm putting out the lefties dictionary to translate these terms into ordinary English. Things that sound like they make sense from the left but maybe don't quite make so much sense. And we're hoping, we're going to try and put this together as a book uh, in time for Christmas so you have something to give your left-wing friends so that they'll hate you. Because there's nothing better at Christmas time than having your friends absolutely furious at you foaming at the mouth. So here is I for intersectionality in the lefties dictionary. I. I is for intersectionality. Intersectionality is the theory that people can be understood through intersecting social identities such as race, gender, class, and sexual orientation. It's only when the effect of all these interwoven identities is fully understood that a person knows how much he's allowed to blame his crappy life on white men. Blaming one's crappy life on white men is called being oppressed, and being oppressed gives you the right to shout stupid stuff while wearing a pink hat that makes you look like a complete idiot. This is a good thing because it keeps you from having to take responsibility for yourself, which can use up a lot of your social media time. If you don't have enough intersecting social identities, then you are designated as just some schmuck or a white man. As a white man, everything's your fault, and you now have to work for a living to pay taxes to support intersectional people so they have more free time in which to blame you for their crappy lives. Now, you may say, well, wait. In America, people aren't really oppressed very much, and they can improve their lots by rising above the dysfunction in their communities in order to live productively. These are called facts, and under the rules of intersectionality, people using facts are fascist and can be shouted down and hit with sticks. You may say, what? If you shout people down and hit them with sticks, then you're the fascist. That is called logic, and under the rules of intersectionality, people using logic are fascist and can be shouted down and hit with sticks. Some people object to the underlying ideas of intersectionality. These people say that intersectionality is just a way of organizing Americans into random interest groups in order to turn them against one another so that leftists can seize power by pretending they're alleviating various forms of oppression that don't actually exist. These people go on to say that each person's identity is unique and God-given, and that what you make of your life depends on your choices and the natural luck of the draw. These people add that, in fact, if you were lucky enough to be born an American, you've already been given a head start and have no business complaining about anything, so take off your ridiculous pink hat and stop shouting stupid things and go get a job. This is called truth, and under the rules of intersectionality, people who speak truth are fascist and can be shouted down and hit with sticks. So, now you understand that intersectionality is a new and original way of weaving together facts, logic, and truth, and beating them to death. I is for intersectionality. I'm Andrew Claven with the Lefties Dictionary. All right, that's the Lefties Dictionary. 
There's one thing about this Kavanaugh story that I don't think is getting any coverage at all. I mean, I, I think I'm the only person who has actually noticed this, at least that I've heard. And the reason it's not getting any coverage is because the left hates our president, Donald Trump, and people on the right, a lot of co commentators on the right are also uncomfortable with the president and don't really have, I think, as clear a picture of who he is and what he does as they should. I've always, I've always criticized him when I thought he deserved criticism, and I've always praised him when I thought he deserved praise. But the one thing that I have noticed is how incredibly cool he is being in this Kavanaugh fight. I mean, he is sweatless. He is just, and, and look, let, let's face it, cool is not the word I would usually use to describe Donald Trump, right? Cool is, he's usually very hot-tempered. He usually is uh, flying off the, the handle. He's got tweets going that maybe he shouldn't be doing. He is playing this Kavanaugh thing like he has got it sewed up. And the reason that's important is you cannot deny, you cannot deny, whatever you think of Donald Trump, you cannot deny his fantastic political instincts. He knows what is going on with his base. He knows what's going on with the country. And he's got the press in his pocket. He has got them. He is bouncing them down the street like a basketball. No matter every time they come at him, it's like you think it's, oh, this time they've got him. And then he's just like, you know, swish, they're gone. You know, it just, just makes them. So he gave a press conference. And we, we have to talk about this, too. He goes out and gives a press conference. And what he wants to talk about is his new NAFTA deal. It's now he has renegotiated NAFTA, as he promised to do. And it's now called this something like the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement, the USMCA or something like this. Now, remember, remember the panic and the hysteria from both right and left on this. The New York Times said this is bogus because he made the deal with Mexico and said if you don't, if Canada doesn't want to renegotiate, fine, I'll just redo it with Mexico. And everybody's going, oh, this is awful. This is, oh, the trade war, the death, the, the economy, the crashing, the, the Wall Street Journal. I mean, people were actually popping out out of the newspaper and weeping. Just look at my tears, the trade, the oh, free trade is gone. And suddenly at the deadline, Canada says, uh, we'd like to be part of NAFTA too, please. This is an incredible, incredible redemption of Donald Trump and the way, and you know, Walter Russell Mead, who is one of the best columnists at the Wall Street Journal, he says, even the administration's fiercest critics are calling the revisions to NAFTA significant. The U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement requires that cars be made with 75% North American components uh, to escape tariffs. 40% of each car must be also be manufactured in facilities where workers earn 16 bucks an hour or more on average. And crucially, Canada has also cracked open the door to its dairy markets for American farmers. So this is a big deal. And, and it has China worried, okay? And this is the thing. The big target here is China because that's the big market that is treating us unfairly. And suddenly, suddenly, the list of topics that China's censors want news sources to treat sensitively, because it's a censorship society, right, is a revealing one. Recent instructions tell editors in China to be careful with economic data that suggests China is being hurt by the trade war, that its economy is slowing, that local government debt is growing, or that consumer confidence is falling. That means all those things are happening in China, which is what somebody said would happen. Guess who? Donald Trump. Now, you remember that when this whole trade thing started, what I said was, I'm not going to call this because I, I 
think Trump is a good negotiator. A negotiation is emotion. A negotiation is movement from one place to another. And what the press does is take snapshots of each place that he is and gets hysterical about that place where Trump is thinking, no, I'm just trying to get to the end of this negotiation. Now, look, this thing can be voted down, especially if the GOP loses in the midterms. They can just throw this new agreement away. But it's obviously a good agreement. It obviously justifies Trump's uh, strategies and his tactics. In fact, in fact, I think this calls for the Trump happiness montage. Let's hit it. We're going to win so much. We're going to win at every level. We're going to win economically. We're going to win with the economy. We're going to win with military. We're going to win with health care and for our veterans. We're going to win with every single facet. My, oh, my. What a wonderful day. We're going to win so much, you may even get tired of winning. You say, please, please, it's too much winning. We can't take it anymore. I feel pretty, oh, so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and gay. We have to keep winning. We have to win more. We're going to win more. So Trump walks out in front of the press and he just he just slaps them silly. He comes out. Let's just play cut number five. I I think the press has treated me unbelievably unfairly. In fact, when I won, I said the good thing is now the press finally gets it. Now they'll finally treat me fairly. They got worse. They're worse now than ever. They're loco, but that's okay. I put up with it. Go ahead. Uh, I use that word because of the fact that we made a deal with Mexico. (laughs) I love it. They're the press's logo. I can say that because we made the deal with Mexico that you said we weren't going to make. He's just bouncing him down the street. So all they want, they don't want to talk about trade. And the funny thing is, Trump is all about trade. This is one of his big, big promises that he was going to rework this stuff. But they don't want to talk about trade. All Kavanaugh, all the time. So just listen to how cool he is talking about this. They ask him about the FBI investigations. T- cut uh, six. I think the FBI should do what they have to do to get to the answer. At the same time, just so we all understand, this is our seventh investigation of a man who has really... You know, you look at his life until this happened. What a what a change he's gone through. What his family's gone through. The trauma for a man that's never had any accusation, any he's never had a bad statement about him. He's led I mean, I think he was number one in his class at Yale. He was number one in his law school at Yale. And then what he's gone through over the last three weeks is incredible. So uh I want the FBI. This is now their seventh investigation. So it's not like they're, you know, just starting. Uh, I want them to do a very comprehensive uh, investigation. They can't lay a glove on him on this. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, he's not always like this. We have to admit this about him. He can get hot headed. He can especially when he's attacked. But he has just been he just looks like he has got this in his pocket. And he just says, you know, yeah, the FBI, let them do what they want. And they're and so they try to shift it. Oh, this is the other thing. They try to shift it to drinking. And that was absolutely hilarious. And he then goes off on the people 
who are asking for these investigations. Let's play cut number seven. Now they talk about alcohol. They talk about all of the things that you hear. And frankly, you take a look at they're they're bringing up subjects. We would know about this over the last 20 years, 30 years of his career. You know what happened? They're going back to high school and they're saying he drank a lot one evening in high school. We, you know, I, I tell you what, I happen to know some United States senators, one who is on the other side, who's pretty aggressive. I've seen that person in very bad situations. OK, I've seen that person in very, very bad situations, somewhat compromising. And, you know, uh, I think it's very unfair to to bring up things like this. However, whatever the senators want is okay with me. I got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Come on over to dailywire.com and subscribe for a lousy 10 bucks. Tomorrow is the mailbag. You will want to be in the mailbag. It's a little stuffy, but you can ask any question you want and I will answer it. My answers are 100% correct, guaranteed correct. So, I mean, what, what better deal for a lousy 10 bucks a month or just 100 bucks for the whole year? So listen to the way Trump just played that about the alcohol thing. They're trying to shift it to alcohol. And he says, you want to talk about drinking? You want to talk about drinking? Let's talk about the Senate drinking in the Senate. I mean, the stories about the drinking in the Senate are incredible. And, you know, he's pulling the rug out from under them because the whole thing, the whole thing was not about drinking. It wasn't about temperament. It was about did he try to rape a girl when he was 17 years old. That was what it's about. It's all, they're just trying to move the goalpost. That's what it's about. And he's just calling him out. And he, and he just, and I, my, my favorite remark in this whole press conference, when he starts talking about, about drinking and the fact that he doesn't drink. And this is uh, cut number 11. I'm not a drinker. I can honestly say I never had a beer in my life. Okay. Right. It's one of my only good traits. I don't drink. <laughs> Whenever they're looking for something good, I say, never had a glass of alcohol. I've never had alcohol. I've just, you know, for whatever reason. Can you imagine if I had? What a mess I'd be. Would I be the, I'd be the world's worst. But I never drank. I never drank, okay? But I can tell you, I watched that hearing. And I watched a man saying that he did have difficulty as a young man with drink. The one question I didn't ask is, how about the last 20 years? Have you had difficulty the last 20 years? Because nobody said anything bad about him. How confident do you have? I mean, and actually, Trump, this is the thing. Trump is talking sense. They're talking about whether he drank in college. They're talking about whether he drank in high school. How about the last 20 years? What's his life been like? I mean, how confident do you have to be as president to say the fact that I don't drink is my only good trait? And can you imagine what a monster I would be if you, you know, just how he just is feeling like he is filling his shoes. I'm sorry, but people don't notice this because a lot of people don't like Trump and they don't notice the way he changes and the way he adapts. I've always said he's a very adaptable guy. He's a guy who learns on the job. He said he would learn on the job and he has. But that but that is incredible. This is like the, the press is in absolute hysteria mode. The left, absolute hysteria mode. Jeff Flake gets yelled at in an elevator. He collapses. Trump is like a rock. I mean, I, I'm, I'm serious. This is not 
normal Trump. I mean, Trump is always a fighter. He's always in there fighting. I'm not saying that, but he's not always just as confident and cool about the whole thing. He does not seem like he has anything at risk. And when they ask him for more time, you know, they're trying to delay this thing all they want. The FBI thing is nonsense. That whole reason when Trump was right, when he said it's a blessing in disguise because it's called them out. That's why they have to change their tune. But when they ask for more time, he has this great response. It's a cut 10. Tell me about time. Diane Feinstein knew about this two months earlier. If she wanted a, a really thorough investigation, we had all the time in the world. She didn't have to wait till after the hearing was closed, essentially. She should have said, listen, I have a problem. I have this report. I'd like the FBI to look at it while we're doing the hearings. We had two months. No, she didn't do that. She waited till we were closed. And then she probably leaked it. But, you know, who am I to say? But she probably leaked it based on a very bad body language the other day. But more importantly, in a sense, for her to have waited that period of time. And now for you Democrats, and I guess I'm including you, too, the media, right? I consider you a part of the Democrat Party. But for you, for the Democrats to be talking about we want more time for the FBI. If you wanted more time for the FBI... Why didn't Diane Feinstein bring this up? That, that is amazing. It's just amazing stuff because you could see the reporter is asking the question. I didn't know who it was. It was a lady reporter asking the question when he said, I just include you with the Democrats. She looked like she kind of went, kind of rippled like he had struck her almost. The guy is in complete control in this press conference. Partly, I'm sure it's because of the victory at NAFTA, which really does redeem a lot of what, a lot of the attacks. It really answers a lot of the attacks on him. But partly it has got to be because he feels he has got this thing wrapped up. And I just this is part of why I think this Kavanaugh thing is collapsing. They are not going to sell even the people on the left uh, who are undecided. They're not going to sell you that. Yeah, we said he uh, raped somebody. It's not rape, but he was drinking. I mean, this is what they're reduced to. Yeah, but he did stand near the punch bowl. He was, you know, he was standing with and he did get in. He threw some ice at a guy in college not going to wash. I just don't think so. And I think that, you know, I, I take this from the fact that the left is moving the goalposts. The left is now changing the subject, basically, because this, once this FBI thing started, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, I think we got nothing. So they're changing it to temperament. And did he drink in college? And did he throw a piece of ice and all this stuff? And the fact that Trump has just remained at chill. I mean, chill Trump is not what I'm used to. I think the case against Kavanaugh is falling absolutely to pieces. All right, time for sexual follies. <laughs> so I had a PragerU video come out two days ago, a day ago, 24 hours ago. So it's got a million hits on YouTube already. It's an attack on feminism. It's telling why I dislike feminism. I'm not going to play the video because that's not what I want to talk about. But it, please go on and watch it. It's telling why I think feminism is a low, stupid, small-minded, mean theory, a philosophy that degrades people, and that we don't need it. It turns men and women against each other. And, and look, for me, I think for most of us, for most of us, the relationships between men and women are part of the joys of life, right? The, most, for most people, the relationship between the romantic relationship, the erotic relationship, just the interplay between male and female is part of the chief consolations of life, all right? And this has just 
uh, feminism has just turned us against each other, made people angry at each other. It promotes anger and it doesn't help women. And as I point out in the video, it's the Constitution and classical liberalism take care of the rights of women. Right? Women are guaranteed their rights. They should be guaranteed their rights. They should. I want women to do whatever they want to do. I think feminism degrades their femininity. It tells them that their feminine desires are bad and that they should have masculine desires and masculine desires are the only good thing and men have stolen them from themselves. That's basically what feminism says. So I've been obviously getting all this hate mail. And what is fascinating to me about this hate mail is all of it accuses me of saying that women shouldn't have whatever job they want or shouldn't have whatever job they can do. Or sh- it's nowhere in the video. So why do, they, why do people say this? Why, why are they saying this? It has to be because they have conflated feminism with the rights of women. And this is something the press and the left has organized. It's a brainwashing thing where they would say, if you would say, I'm anti-feminist, they say, why are you against women? Well, I didn't say I was against women. I said, I'm anti-feminist. Yeah, but that's against women. So they're just conflate, they've conflated these two things. They've conflated a philosophy. Feminism is a philosophy. And, and by the way, I, you know, you cannot say, oh, well, it's not all feminists. It doesn't matter. The philosophy leads to a certain place. A professor of Georgetown University, okay, a professor of Georgetown University, C. Christine Fair, an associate professor. This is Georgetown is a big school, right, an important school. She said on Saturday, she said, white Republican men should die. And an added bonus would be if women castrate their corpses and feed them to swine. Now, if I heard words like that coming out of my mouth, I would say, gee, you know, something's wrong with my philosophy because I shouldn't be turning into this person. I got a letter from a young woman this morning, an email that starts out, you're an effing idiot. You know, you're an effing idiot. And we're not going to let old white men tell us who are. So it's full of racial hatred. That's racial. Old white men is racial hatred. Ageism, like something wrong with being old. If uh, if you think there's something wrong with being old, just wait, <laughs> because guess what, you know. And I'm an ethnic. And then she ends and she says, everything we do in the world, we either do out of love or out of fear. And if you're doing something out of fear, you're just not getting it right. So in other words, she is operating out of love when she calls me an effing idiot, when she says you're an old white man and white is bad, the color of your skin is bad, right? And and that is the delusion, the delusion that the left sells, that we are acting out of love. And by the way, you stink and I hate the color of your skin and you're too old. And somebody, uh, who who was it? Um, One of the rappers just called Kanye West an Uncle Tom. And Uncle Tom, Snoop Dogg. who was it? Snoop Dogg said it. Okay, and they so, so you know that a terrible it's a terrible racial slur. And Uncle Tom doesn't matter whether a black man says it or not. All of this stuff is all of the stuff that we're seeing. The stuff about Brett Kavanaugh, where people are reducing themselves to the mob. Writers for the New York Times are reducing themselves to mob think. All of it is the result of philosophy. Susanna Denuta Waters, Walters, a professor of sociology and director of the Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies Program at Northeastern University. She writes a piece in in the Washington Post, why can't we hate men? It seems logical to hate men. I can't lie, I've always had a soft spot for the radical feminist smackdown. They have conflated, mixed up, confused a philosophy with a gender, with a group of people. Nobody is attacking women when you attack feminism. What I'm attacking is the philosophy of feminism, the philosophy that divides us, the philosophy that tries to organize us into grievance-organized mobs, grievance-motivated mob. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the degradation of the left by that organization. That's exactly it.
All right, I got to say goodbye. Remember, remember, the mailbag is tomorrow. That means that you go on dailywire.com, hit the podcast button, hit the Andrew Claven podcast, hit the mailbag, put your questions in the mailbag, all of them answered, all of them answered correctly, will change your life. Eh, sometimes for the better. Look, I'm doing the best I can, all right? I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. The Andrew Claven Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. And our animations are by Cynthia Angulo and Jacob Jackson. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire forward publishing production. Copyright forward publishing 2018.